Hello, my dear listeners. <laughs> I need to make a confession, guys. This is the most fucked up episode I ever made. But it's a very interesting topic to me, and I'm a fucked up individual. But no worries, because today I am joined by a pair of two other fucked up individuals. John and Joe, who host Spread the Dread podcast. And, oh, we're gonna be spreading the dreads quite a lot here. Because essentially my plan for today's episode was to talk about snuff films. You know, murder on camera for profit. And it did not take us long to realize that the military-industrial complex is the greatest producer of snuff films. Starting all back in the 60s during the Vietnam War when they were filming war atrocities. Couple that later with the satanic panic and that gave birth to an urban legend that just will not die. Because people keep dying and other people... Keep wanting to see that for some reason. Via videos of death, murder, and suicide. And obviously, guys, I need to provide you a trigger warning. Today, we're gonna be talking about death, murder, and suicide. With a very small, subtle reference to child abuse. You can't talk about snuff films without mentioning that. Thankfully, we don't dwell on it at all. But if you are somebody who is triggered by this or who has trauma and can't listen to these types of topics, I suggest just don't listen and skip this episode. The next episode will be April Fool's. Hey, jolly, funny stuff. But if you are somebody who receives pleasure from viewing footage of fucked up, atrocious, depraved shit, then I guess this episode would maybe just be too mindful for you. So I suggest you crawl back into your lonely hole in the deep dark depths of hell and just fuck off. This will be in the intro then. Uh, listeners, I am talking today with a couple of fucked up people <laughs> <laughs> about a very fucked up subject. <laughs> and uh, with me today, we're, we're going to be spreading the dreads are the two hosts of Spread the Dreads, John and Joe. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having us on your show. And uh, I apologize to your audience in advance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I was telling you now, like I have been dreading doing this episode, but it's a topic that I've been interested in since I was a teenager. And I know my listeners will think that's very fucked up because they don't know this side of me that I used to be, you know, into extreme cinema and into this fucked up shit. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that uh, we find as well when people kind of get to know us uh, on a more personal level where they, they could sometimes be taken aback by the, the, the things that we do for quote unquote fun. Yeah. So so we 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 totally uh, we totally we look normal there. on the outside, but we're really fucked up on the inside. Yes, yes, yes. We uh, yeah, we we're like reverse superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> this will be I don't know one of the rarest instances that I'm doing a kind of true crime episode, and instead of having a fancy fancy true crime podcaster, like we're talking about very underground stuff here. So obviously, I want somebody who does their show more underground and more explicit than the normal standard true crime podcaster. Yeah. Well, that that that, uh, that is definitely us. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> 
Yeah, we, we will warn all of your uh, your listeners. Uh, we would we would love for you to check out our podcast, but it is extremely NSFW. Mm-hmm. We uh, we we pull no punches. We are we've been described as South Park meets true crime. Yeah, and that I think that's an insult to South Park because <laughs> they're probably a little more couth than what we are. But uh, they can check us out at spreadthedreadpodcast.com and find everything there. But uh, be warned, we we are certainly not everyone's cup of tea, and we're going to try to be on our best behavior here today. So don't let uh. this be any indication. <laughs> of what you're going to get on our podcast because we're trying to be very nice. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. So uh, I was going to say this like later on. Uh, one of the subjects we can maybe talk about is Ricardo Lopez, the Bjork stalker, yeah. who filmed his own suicide. And what you guys did, like this is something that nobody else did covering the case. You actually dug up the video and then you put the audio of the video on your show. Yeah. Very, very fucked up move, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and honestly... It, it and I mean we've you you and I and Joe we've we've talked you know through IG and things like that and one of the biggest things that Joe and I are big fans of is is physical media media preservation mm-hmm. and I remember when we were researching that show we were really stunned at particularly back when we had first started just as a as a as a morbid interest looking at the tapes and watching the videos and things like that way before we did a podcast uh, how readily available they were at that time on the internet and yeah. so I thought it was going to be you know just as easy to go find those clips oh yeah and it was not a lot of it has been taken off it's been scrubbed yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely and so you know it was it was kind of one of those things where it was like okay you know how do, do we, we preserve do- it you know yeah i mean how do we preserve it? how can we kind of help with this because even though it was a tragic situation uh, you know especially with mental health getting in play here yeah. it still should be preserved Right. Yeah. Once it, once it's out, I feel like it should stay out, yeah. you, you know, for better or worse. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be roped off from certain age groups and things like that. But yeah. I mean, yeah, we had a hard time digging it up and it, it, for that episode even. Yeah, I, I can remember like back in the old days of dark edgy Vuk in my teenage years, <laughs> I, I was on 4chan. I was on Encyclopedia Dramatica. Yeah. I, I was a heavy troll, you know, I was into the, you know, underground exploitation cinema. My favorite movie for years was Cannibal Holocaust, which ties into this topic oh, yeah. today mm-hmm. uh, heavily. And obviously, you know, being an internet kid, I stumbled upon all this shit. And I wanted maybe us three to talk about what intrigues us about even preservation of this shit that should not even exist at all. And I thought if I'm going to talk about snuff films from a more folkloric sociological perspective, it's best to have somebody on who is drawn towards this idea of preserving the media, however up it is yeah I, I mean it is one of those things where like it definitely shouldn't exist like even even as fans of the morbid i, I when you're i mean we, i, I, we, I was a kid of rot- I, I loved rotten.com as a kid like oh, i remember yeah. stumbling across that at like 11 12 years old and be like this is awesome yeah and like and i could still see those images to this day but i mean it even goes back to kind of like uh, how psychology tends to work is like you're supposed to talk about it and look at it and desensitize yourself to it mm-hmm. and then because you get introduced to it it doesn't really bother you at, at some point and so you just continue looking for it. it becomes more of an interest than so much of a uh what is this like a not surprise but like a gratification yeah, yeah. That, yeah well it's also about pushing limits too you know mm-hmm. every, everybody has their different threshold and it's one of those things where everyone 
is everyone wants to push themselves. It, it doesn't matter if it's in the gym, if it's in education, or if it's watching, you know, messed up videos. Everyone wants to keep pushing themselves in the, and you never know when you cross that line until you've crossed it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's when you're kind of like, oh yeah, that one was too much for me. But you can't, you, at that point too, though, you can't, you know, you can't put the, the genie back into the lamp. It's out. And that can sometimes feed the curiosity. So I tell anybody like, if, if you're, if you don't think you're into it, try not to get into yeah, it. Yeah, don't start. <laughs> yeah. Don't start. <laughs> yeah, I see this uh, theme of boggling the threshold. I'm a paranormal podcast and I talk about these same things, but I see the paranormal as kind of a safe way about talking uh, of talking about morbid curiosity, while true crime is the more explicit, direct, harsh reality way of talking about these similar things. This looming presence of just morbid curiosity instigating and perpetuating this urban legend that's being talked about over and over. What we're talking about today, snuff. I mean, there are real murder videos out there, but the yes. concept yeah. of snuff itself is still an urban legend. Still, wherever you look on the internet, they say that real true snuff does not exist. But the thing too with that is so, and, and everyone, I guess, I guess it would be to start off as the best way is to define snuff. Because I think a lot of people think that snuff is just murder on film. And to an extent it is. But if if you take it from that definition, then snuff is insanely very real. I mean, even old war footage uh, that we've caught from, from you know, close to a century ago. That's modern, modern day cartel videos you can still find online. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, I, but I think, and I, I think you agree, a lot of us, when we think about snuff, we think about uh, usually there being some sort of a financial gain mm -hmm. to it where someone... Either paid for it to be produced, or there's someone producing it that knows that they can sell it, and that is very different than just seeing suicides that were caught on tape or seeing murders that were caught on tape. That, mm -hmm. If you go to the right spots on the internet, you can find that all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And even it existed uh, before the internet. Like we had Faces of Death, which, which was a huge thing in the 70s, right. yeah. and they, they essentially created a clip show of these news footages of deaths that were accidentally caught on camera, coupled with uh, scenes that they faked themselves and then just, right. you know, put that out as a documentary about death. Right. So by that definition, then is Faces of Death, death Snuff? Mm -hmm. Because even though they didn't do the killing themselves, they did take the killings and produce it for profit. So it's there's there's a there's definitely some gray area to it when it comes to like I said a, a lot of it it's 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 almost like pornography. Everyone's like I don't you know they say it's hard to define it, but you know it when you see it. And I, I think that can sometimes apply to snuff, and especially in nowadays it's it's so tough to tell with the way that even practical effects, let yeah. alone digital effects, have come over. It's really tough now to even know if what you're seeing. Is is authentic. Yeah, I mean, obviously I could babble on about this. <laughs> I mean, here, here's a cool example. So in 1991, we all know that Charlie Sheen somehow got a hold of a VHS tape of the second guinea pig movie from Japan. Flower yes, of Flowers of Flesh. Yes, yes. yes. Yep. So he thought this was a real murder on camera and called the FBI to take a look at the video. And then the FBI uh, ruled it, you know, just a fake movie after the Japanese production company put out a making of segment. Mm -hmm. Well, and that was to say, who was, uh, you may know this better than me, Joe, who was, was it uh, Diodato that directed Cannibal Holocaust? Yes, I yes. know you're, yeah, I know yeah. you're more of a cannibal Ferox girl. I'm the Ferox. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, you know, look at Diodato even back then. I mean, they, all of them got hauled into court. 
where they had to prove that, uh, notably the impalement scene, uh, which is still an insanely effective, very practical effect, actually, when you figure out when they discussed how they do it. But I mean, to this day, it is still very realistic looking. Uh, and I can only imagine, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us now are used to seeing cleaned up video. You know, we, we have Blu-ray, we have high definition. Yeah, I could imagine been somebody in that courtroom and been like, whoa, what the, what the hell is that? Well, yeah. And I mean, even so like with the, with the guinea pig series yeah. back then, a lot of that was all tape traded, you know, mm-hmm. for, for the, for the younger people listening, there were these things called VHSs <laughs> and, and everybody had a bunch of them and they had stuff recorded on them. You would record TV shows. I used to have a ton of Simpsons episodes on like VHSs <laughs> I recorded. Yeah. You swap it with friends. Right. And, and, yeah. as you, and as it would progress, the quality would get rougher and rougher. Yeah. So I could imagine, you know, if you're watching like an eighth gen VHS rip of Flowers of Flesh and Blood. And you're Charlie Sheen. And, you and know he was on Charlie Sheen. <laughs> I'm sure that looked insanely real. You watch yeah. it now, though, and it, it's still very effective. But you could tell, you know, just from the tint of the blood and things mm-hmm. like that, that it's clearly a fake. Yeah. Yes. I, I wanted to mention, like, even now we have more modern movies, which are kind of a fake snuff filmed in that sort of style. And it's always intentionally made to seem grainy. Right. A good example yeah. would be the August Underground series of movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the same thing actually happened to Fred. Uh, I, if you know, if you know much about Fred Vogel, the creator. Yeah. He was crossing into Canada. Yeah, he was going to a, to, uh, a film to a, festival, yeah. and then they saw the VHSs or the tapes or whatever. And when they went to review it, they were just like, "No, you're going to be. We need to keep you here. We need to yeah, investigate they basically this." Had to verify they weren't, and then yeah. I think for a, for the longest time, he even when they verified that it wasn't real, they still didn't like let him into Canada for a long ass time because they were like, "We, we still I'm we glad, don't want this. I'm here. glad <laughs> this is fake, but we still don't want you here." <laughs> like, well, you, you guys know that Best Gore was a Canadian site, and that the guy who made the site got a lot of shit from the Canadian government. Right. Especially and, after Luca Magnata put his video oh, on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And see, again, like, you know, and, and I think that that's where everybody has their morbid curiosity, but some people like it distilled a certain way because uh, anyone familiar with Netflix, what they had that, that mini series, Don't Fuck With Cats, mm-hmm. that was extremely successful for them. And it was all about the breakdown of the Luca Magnata case. It's actually one of the reasons we haven't covered Luca Magnata on mm-hmm. our show because that little docuseries so greatly yes. breaks it down. Yeah, it's beautiful thorough right yeah. but it and, and it was and a lot of people watched it and and then i'm sitting there and i'm like i wonder how many of them though have actually seen the one lunatic one ice pick video okay so i wanted to mention this wherever i read about snuff films everybody says oh luca magnata was the first one to technically put out a snuff film but then again he did not do it for profit no yeah he did it for vanity <laughs> oh yeah he was all about fame yes but also the video does not depict a murder at all it's a staged murder on a corpse yes he already uh, killed the victim before even recording and and also too I, and, I, and i could be wrong on the timelines but i mean we did it we did an episode on uh the denipro maniacs uh, uh three guys one hammer three guys one hammer mm-hmm. i i would imagine it's tough to know I, I don't have the dates in front of me and the quality of the video is very bad because it was all done with with flip phones back oh then, yeah but, but the sound is there and that's all the, the, oh, the yeah the sound yeah. is yes, there yes yeah. that is that is the worst part of it and it's crazy that 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 those flip phones caught that, that high quality yeah yeah and that that blew my mind so like the first time i watched it john was just like yeah you can still find it because i had never watched it all the way through until we did the research and like i pulled the video up and i'm like i'm perfectly fine he's like D- did you listen to it i was like oh i didn't know it had volume and then i rewatched oh, yeah. it with the audio and like it put me in tears because yeah. i was just like i kind of knew what was going on because of the the death rattle i was yeah. just like holy shit somebody went through this and somebody filmed it you work as a nurse so you're already aware of how all that goes yeah 
Yes. Yeah. And she and she she originally wanted to get in forensic pathology. So yeah. it's, I wanted to be a coroner way back in the day. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's always great when we watch really messed up stuff and she sits there and describes how actually how terrible it really would be if that was happening. <laughs> and I'm just over there being like, because as much as I love to push myself, those movies do make me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I, I've 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 watched movies that almost like that caused panic attacks and things like that. I'm yeah. just a glutton for punishment. But she loves to sit there. She's she's got the iron stomach of us too. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I'm, I'm the whole reason he can't actually rewatch The Butcher. No, no, that Korea, that South Korean film will never grace my eyes again, for sure. No. <laughs> now, my listeners may think, what the fuck is going on here? Because this is totally not the stuff I talk about on my show. <laughs> but this is an urban legend. Like, we, we can go into the history, and I plan to go into the history a bit to maybe share a few theories I have. But this is not the first time I'm talking about this stuff on my show. I recent, not recently, I already had on the show former autopsy technician. He worked eight years for the GBI doing autopsies. And we already talked about films deaths, which he had to review quite frequently during his work. So this is not new for my show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and, and I know that you, you you like to deal a lot with like, you know, paranormal and kind of mm-hmm. out there topics. But honestly, I think that some of the the, the morbid curiosity, uh, especially people's obsession with true crime, it, it bleeds into the paranormal because I think it ultimately it ultimately is humanity doing its best to try to process a subject that we are incapable of processing, which is death, death. Yes. our own mortality. Every, everybody, everybody's going to die. We know that none of us know what it's like so we're constantly we're, we're, we're constantly looking if you're in paranormal you're looking for answers from the other side is there is there a way to cross vibrational planes dimensions things of that nature is that is that where our existence is do we vibrate differently after we die and that's how it can bleed through uh, certain equipment and then because of that I think I think there it's almost like a uh, I'm, I'm looking for I can't think of the word I'm looking for but like we're, we're I, I think some of us are so obsessed with what happens when we die and yeah, there that also leads to an obsession of of seeing people die. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I wanted to bring this up, and you said it on one of your episodes that back in history, a human death was you know much more in your face, and people were seeing death you know more frequently than today. Oh, yeah. 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 Today we hide it, and you even said that we don't bat an eye when talking about Genghis Khan, for example. But right. if we talk about a serial killer or a single murder now, like we are so horrified by that, but are not horrified by these genocides because we can't relate with huge masses of thousands or millions of people. Um, we need mm-hmm. to relate on an individual level. It makes it more personal. Yes, yes. And I wanted to say back then maybe we were seeing death more frequently in our real lives, and now that it's being hidden from us and processed you know the whole funeral industry mm-hmm. retirement homes even yes. I mean it, it, where we kind of shuttle off those that are like near end of life into hospices uh, care centers because we don't really we think we want to deal with that reality but we mm-hmm. really don't and so yeah no it, it's it's pretty much behind the veil these days and there's not a, many cultures that still deal with their own death of their family members yeah. um, so it goes into that too and we seek to consume media which serves as a looking glass through through this veil mm-hmm. we interface with death now through horror movies you know and if we want to interface even more we seek out these fucked up videos on the internet so yes. it's like we are trying to come to terms with death by viewing it through this looking glass by putting this middleman between ourselves and death but also we then mythologize the middleman we talk about snuff films and murder videos but create a whole folklore around them that now we're talking about it as if 
we are not even sure if it's even a thing, uh, further distancing us away from death. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, there is the question of, because you always hear it too, like, I, I, especially me being a good a good Southern boy from the US, I brought up extremely religious. Every time something real big or, or a mass tragedy would happen or a serial killer was caught or something, you would just hear people being like, oh, you know, it's, thing, it's getting so much worse out there. And if you know even a, a modicum of history, yeah. it's not. We're, as a species, we're actually safer now than we've ever been. Uh, we're, we're far more connected. So we know every, every time there is a really bad instance, no matter what country it comes from, we're all aware of it immediately. You know, there's yes. 24 hours news cycles. Our, our phones, our phones never give us a break from it. Sometimes I wonder if like, you know, because of that, we, A, I could be a rise in some of the mental health issues that are out there because yeah. we are all, we're overprotected. And we're also, because I think we're overprotected, we're constantly seeking to muck around with not being protected. And then it scares the living shit out of us. So we're just constantly on edge at all times because we technically, we are, we are safer than we've ever been. We're healthier than we've ever been. You know, there's, there's not a warlord tearing across continents, you know, pillaging villages and, and enslaving kids and women. It's, that's not really happening on a mass scale right now. But I think that, I think we're also more afraid than we've ever been in our history as a species. Absolutely. I mean, also too, fight or flight, you know, like you're saying, like we used to be under peril, you know, we constantly had a fight or flight initiated due to our environmental, our surroundings. But yeah, now we try to agitate that, yeah. you know, that's why we can have an anxiety attack when watching a horror right. film because yeah, we put yeah. ourselves there. But yeah, I mean, because we're not under the daily threat, we still technically are putting ourselves under that daily it's like, it's threat. Like we miss it. <laughs> like something inside of us misses. Yeah. The, 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 Some the, primordial yeah. instincts. Yeah. You see, guys, I, I see even conspiracy theories as kind of tapping into this. They are, they are a way for us to cope about the fucked up reality we are living in, but creating a mythology that is more whimsical and more acceptable to us. Because what we talk about in conspiracy theories is more fantastical and whimsical than the true fucked up shit in the real world. Right. Well, I mean, even with serial killers, you know, like most of the times, the simplest explanation is the real one. This guy or this woman, they did what they did because they had terrible upbringings. You know, there was probably th that led to mental issues. Maybe they had mental issues at, you know, that were that were from birth. But I think some of the things that make people really uncomfortable with true crime is it was like you were talking about, you know, of a mirror. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot, if you really go in and investigate or even just consume true crime, uh, particularly some of the some of the nastier stuff that we try to cover, you really start to realize how much every single one of us have in common with these people. Yeah. And a serial killer could be any one of us is capable as a human. At the end of the day, these were these were, as you said earlier, these 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 are not mythologies. These are not mythological mm -hmm. titans. These are standard, normal ass humans who did unforgivable, reprehensible stuff. And I think that some of that really bothers us because you'll you, sometimes I've even researched uh, a couple of them and been like, oh my god, like very similar backgrounds <laughs> here. Like really glad I didn't decide to act out like he did. You know, it, it but, makes you more aware of that line. Like yeah. everybody can tip that line, but nobody, not as many people tip over the line. So yeah, yeah it's kind of nice to be able to see it in front and be like, okay, I'd be able to do this, this and this, but I can't do that. And you mm -hmm. clearly see the line. <laughs>
Oh, th this goes into like the whole QAnon stuff now and these beliefs of secret cabals that are eating, drinking the blood of children and whatnot. Oh yeah, the adrenochrome. Adrenochrome, <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, that's the, the modern version of satanic panic. Um, yes. But yes. It, it's always easier to other these people. Oh, they're a secret cabal of reptilians. They're not human. <laughs> no human would do this. It's much easier to other the perpetrator than to accept that you have relationships with them and that they are no different than you. Yeah, I mean, and even if you subscribe to that belief system, the, the fact of the matter is, is that the people that you're talking about, you know, the 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 faces, you know, and I'm sure anyone who who even dabbles into conspiracy theory could name several names that, that are always mentioned. Those are still people, just like we were talking about with the serial killers and things like that. Like, those are still people. And again, it's, it's like we have to aggrandize why they, you know, why they do something that we disagree with when, again, and who knows, maybe that person that maybe they really do believe in Satan. Maybe they do do rituals. Who knows? But at the end of the day, they are still just a standard human being. Fucked up though they may be. Fucked up though you may think they are. All of that capability lies within each and every one of us. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, again, if you look at the history of a person, that man, there's there's not a whole lot of difference between a lot of us and these people. Uh, Joe, I, I always pause because I think Joe wants to say something. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> Okay, okay. She, no. she, she's been with me for a while. She knows if she wants to say something, she just has to blurt. Yeah. So <laughs> she'll gladly talk over. <laughs> but but when you say like, maybe there are devil worshippers out there, maybe there are people who'd murder somebody for Satan, but that does not mean that there is a whole hidden industry or cabal of Satan worshippers murdering thousands of people as we thought, or as we were told during Satanic Panic. And then right. you perpetuate this urban legend. It's in the pop culture now. And now you have assholes like Le Richard Ramirez who was a man child acting like an edgy teenager saying that everything he's doing is because of Satan. <laughs> Yeah, you know? he, he he was the ultimate like edge lord yeah. <laughs> before internet culture and all of that stuff, and people loved it. They they still eat it up with the spoon, and that does bring up an interesting point. Sometimes if we if we invent the boogeyman, we end up actually creating the boogeyman. Yes, and again that that goes to everything. Like we're you know as we go as we continue on as a species, we're we're technically we're technically getting more and more safer. That we're getting more secure and things like that, and even just the the most minor of hit hiccups really fucks with us now and it like you know, we lose sleep and things like that and i'm like you realize that this this doesn't mean there's people who are who are really they, they haven't ate today and you know they're there do you think they're worried if there's a cabal under the denver <laughs> airport that's you know sacrificing children no a they're not glued to their phones all day and i think that's probably one of the biggest problems and i'm yeah. I'm, I'm just as guilty of it too yeah, we all thing. are but it's again it's this constant we're, we're addicted to it we're addicted to fear we're addicted to being mm. on edge we're addicted to to the next problem, the next boogeyman, whether we like it or not. Like people may think I'm fucked up for what I watch and things of that nature, but every one of us has our own thing that we- Everybody have... has an addiction to yes. some form of stimulus. Bad stimulus too. Yeah. Like not, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I don't. I don't pretend that what we watch and shit is good for us. I I, I can feel it in like my soul for days I mean, yeah. afterwards when we do. Like, there's been certain cartel videos that have like made me put down my phone yeah. and never pick it up unless it was work related for like a week because like I, I was like it just hurt inside yeah. to have seen it. Okay. I uh, oh man, there are so many things I want to bring up like in this episode because this is a very broad, huge topic that ties into so much of you know American and international history during the past 
last five, six decades. Okay, let, let's start with snuff. What stuff snuff means? Like in the 19th century, it was a word that just meant the burnt out wick of a candle and cutting it was snuffing the candle. And then later it started being used as exterminating, extinguishing or killing something, you know. But from what we can gather, snuff uh, films as a concept started in the 70s. They were not a thing before then. And I'd say right. like horror cinema as we know it now wasn't a thing until Alfred Hitchcock's uh, Psycho came out. That was, the right, first, yeah. that was the first horror film that was very like slasher-esque. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think anyone had really seen murder on screen like that prior. But what's beautiful is you don't even see the killing. No. You, 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 you only see what subjectively he let you see. See, you right. never see a knife yeah. penetrate. You're just shown, oh, there's blood and a yeah. knife. But back then, dies. that was enough to make people like yes. fucking faint in the theaters. Yeah. And stuff now like you that. may not get away with that. <laughs> Uh, And this was in the early to mid 60s. I don't know when Psycho came out, but later on we had the Vietnam War. And this is what I've been thinking and thinking about this, like snuff came out of this whole era after 69 of uh, the Manson murders, you know, but what was going on there was also the Vietnam War and it being broadcast on television. And a lot of the, you know, death or murder videos we know of are from the Vietnam War. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely i mean before then you know you you know back in even like world war ii and and korean war times and things like that you know you would get the reels at the theaters uh where mm-hmm. they would show you operation but they were slickly produced you know they were they were meant to be like you know rah rah propaganda kind of, yeah they, they yeah, were, they were propaganda, propaganda. Yeah. But with with Vietnam, a you had a country, the U.S., that was extremely divided on even being there. So you also had coverage of it that was extremely divided. You had coverage that was meant to propagandize the people into being like, yes, you know, our heroes, get, get and, those Charlies and shit yep. like that. And then you had a ton of other people look at this th- atrocity, look what we're doing to other human beings, right? Like, and I think that yeah. may have been the first time we, as you know, as an American, that I can think of in our history where we were really confronted with what war actually meant mm-hmm. i think even a lot really more... fucking wins in it <laughs> yeah yeah no one wins in a war like yeah. that anyone who claims otherwise like usually everybody who's not fighting loses the most but i think with vietnam and and then of course you know every you know everything's in color you know back in the day the black and white it's you know we, we use black and white now in movies to to nostalgia what that yes. and to kind of do a different vibe to it but you know seeing colorized war images back then it makes yeah. it more real yeah. yeah okay we can even argue that the war images from vietnam are essentially snuff films there are murder videos that were broadcast for profit because yeah the yeah. whole war American was people say, yeah the profit. American government still profited off of it. Hell yes. yeah, they did. Yep. Wow. So the biggest uh, snuff producer is the government itself. Oh, yes, <laughs> for sure. For sure. I mean, and that's the thing, again, where it's like, you know, I think there's a lot of if people take the term snuff, I think a lot of people have you ever seen uh, the uh, the Joel Schumacher film eight millimeter? Yes. OK, so I think that even though a, a lot of people haven't seen it, a lot of what we think about with snuff, it very much falls in line with that movie. We think of some old rich guys or guy who wants to get his rocks off by seeing someone, you know, 
tortured and eventually killed on film. Uh, and, and again, it feeds into the the whole like you know elitist cabal secret society thing and all of that stuff as well. But if you if you even take it down to a a more like we we said earlier that it's it's murder for profit that's recorded. Yeah, it's, snuff totally exists. And what and and I think we what we just pointed out is you know one of the biggest purveyors of it is news media and countries that go to war and mm-hmm. film it. Like I, I never understood that. Like what was what the fuck was the point of having people People running around with cameras to document it. Everybody who's there sees it, but it, it was again, it was it was the whole slate of propaganda yep. that we we had to record it so that you know, look how good our boys are doing, you know, buy war bonds, or look how bad our boys are doing, buy war bonds, you know, things of that nature. Uh, we we see this even today. Uh, so you may know that the Best Gore site had the tagline "Documenting Reality." Yeah. No, we don't have perverts going to our sites to jerk off of this fucked up shit (laughs) but rather we're documenting reality itself for political reasons and even the owner of Beskor said in an interview once how let's say uh, during the Syria crisis the opposing forces who were trying to take down the Syrian government were distributing uh, the chainsaw beheading video that you probably know is a Mexican cartel video yes Um, and it's a Mexican cartel video it's not in Syria but they were distributing it as, oh, this is what the Syrian government is doing. So even today, we have political forces using snuff imagery to further uh, their own political agendas. Well, and I think that I've always liked, and I don't know where I heard it from. It's certainly not an original thought. I don't have many of those. <laughs> but uh, someone had said, it, a lot of the things that you know normal people think about that our elites do, we think about, oh, it's, it's for money. But again, a lot of these people are so well off, they don't need money. Mm-hmm. What's more important than money? is power and a lot of power is derived from fear Mm-hmm. You know, and so again, that's it, also it, what makes the adrenochrome shit like kind of believable. Because you're, yeah, like, you're just like, I could totally, totally, they would do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's they, you know, look at those ghouls. Warren Buffett, he's got all the goddamn money. He's probably killing kids. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> what's funny about adrenochrome is that it originates from a movie. That's yeah, where yeah, we yeah. know of it. Right. And but so again, it's it's if we think again in the terms of snuff, it's murder on video for profit. A lot of us associate profit with monetary gain. There's many forms of profit. And if you're if your ultimate goal is to terrify others and instill more power for yourself, war, war propaganda, cartel videos, mob power, mob stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mob videos where you know a mob's attacking someone that is for profit. You are profiting in fear and in unrest and in concern and ultimately feeding into your own power source. Exactly. Because again, the cartels don't need a lot of money. I mean, <laughs> you know, not the, not the main dudes. They're, they're, they're killing They're loaded, it. yeah. Yeah, no pun intended. Oh, like, it, but... did you watch the Chainsaw Beheading video? Yes, and and a couple of other ones, uh, okay. including Funky Town as well. I don't yes, know if, you know, yes. if you're so familiar. So the, yes. the Chainsaw one is the most famous one, but um, its origin is the, this guy stole, what, like 10 bucks from, from his boss, yeah. and that's why they were beheading him to send a message to everybody else not to steal uh, from the cartel but then you know this is a mexican cartel video uh it being a murder video spreads on the internet due to snuff being a very urban legendy type thing oh we don't know the origins of this blah 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 and now fucking syrians can use it and say oh this is syrian you know (laughs) right it's it's the nature of snuff because it uh, seeps into mythology and folklore that you can mold it into whatever you want you don't need to film multiple murders you can send multiple messages using 
the same video yeah. that's co-opted into something else. Right. And again, we're, we're, we're starting to get to a point now with technology where it's going to be really hard. I mean, some of these people aren't even going to have to kill anybody to do it. You know, when you look at the deep fake technologies that's, that's currently surfacing and things like that. And then, I mean, I could show people hell several horror movies that I even own where if I was to make it look grittier, like it was filmed on, on tape or something and it wasn't labeled and you had no idea and I put it in there, you, you would be hard pressed to not think that it was real. Again, it's, 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 it's one of those things where are we pushing our boundaries or have our boundaries started pushing us because of what we see constantly? Like we said, with the war footage and things like that, mm -hmm. it, it gets out there. You know, as I love the freedom of the internet, I don't like things, you know, being policed and stuff like that. But that's why I tell everyone, like, even when we were talking about people listening to us, like everything is not for you. Mm -hmm. And it, you're, you got to be able to censor yourself. Yes. Yes. Yeah, definitely. You have to know yes. your own limits. Self-censoring is, can be very, very good and very rewarding sometimes. <laughs> okay, that that kind of goes into the next part of uh, this discussion. So I, I like the idea that we formed this myth and by forming it, we create it into a reality because we've been talking about snuff films for decades and decades up until today when we have the technological means to actually make it a real thing. Yes. And now that we have the technological means as it's already a presence in the pop consciousness, of course, it's going to be a thing. But going back to its origins, the first time snuff movie as a term was used is right. from a 1971 book by Ed Sanders, The Family, the story of Charles Manson's Dune Buggy Attack. Attack Battalion. Hell of a title. <laughs> In this book, they interviewed a one-time member of the Manson family who claimed that he saw murder videos being produced by Charles Manson. Then later said, oh, I just heard rumors of the videos. I never saw them. And in later reprints of the books, it was stated that this is a total fabrication. But this, 1971, this book sparked the mythological, the folkloric concept of snuff movie. And then five years later, Later, in 1976, we have this seep into the pop culture via two groundbreaking films. I mean, groundbreaking for <laughs> this mythology yeah. forming. Yes. So, you know, of Network... Absolutely. Which is a Hollywood movie. And in the movie, they uh, create uh, a murder that's filmed during a news broadcast so they can, you know, up the ratings. Fantastic movie, actually, with a very young Robert Duvall. I think Faye Dunaway is in yeah. that. We, we own it. We're, yeah, we we're big fans of that movie. Yes. So that's the more mainstream interpretation of a snuff movie. And it was, you know, in a Hollywood film. But then in the underground film circuit, we had the movie Snuff. <laughs> Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. That. Yeah. Which was originally a shitty movie based on the Manson family called Slaughter that was filmed in Argentina, and then the distribution rights were sold to somebody, uh, Alan Shackleton, and then he held on to this uh, movie for a few years because he saw it unfit for release. But then in 1976, he started seeing news coverage of this idea that snuff films were being filmed in South America and distributed all around the world so he thought hey i have this thing i can profit off of it so he filmed the ending scene of that movie right which is the most you know well-known scene from that movie where they supposedly kill the actress of the movie um and just yep. changed the title from slaughter to snuff he released the movie and then he started putting out fake news clippings of like uh, feminist groups protesting against the movie and also he paid fake protesters to go protest screen 
screenings of the movie. Yeah, he was he was a hell of a salesman <laughs> because if you if if have you ever actually seen the movie? Yes. Yeah, it's a it's a fucking terrible movie. <laughs> exactly. I don't know why I don't know why he ever bought the rights to it. Even I'm just and I'm talking about the 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 movie that existed before you know he he then shot the ending uh, and all that stuff. It's and terrible. the ending is basically it looks like he he's stabbing a piece of cardboard yeah. and just getting guts out of there and that's yeah. That. It's that that part's not good either. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 terrible but again it, it's it's the showmanship of it you know and look at us we're still talking about it today and now this really terrible movie that no one a should have to watch and b shouldn't have watched is now especially as you if for anyone who like us and and, and you back in the day who are into extreme cinema you have to know about that or you or you haven't done your dig and you haven't done your research you know that's that's the mm-hmm. og you know that's where if you think of any of your favorite disturbing movie creators you know a lot of them are you know they're following in that footstep but isn't it fascinating how the concept of snuff was birthed because of profit even though snuff doesn't exist at this point in the 70s as films being created for the sole murder films for the sole purpose of profit but it's fake murder films being co-opted as real murder films who are then distributed for profit (laughs) yeah well again it's it's there's a lot of mystical energy there (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely for sure because it's clearly there's a demand for it. You know, it, it, these people, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, you know, these people are wanting to to at least make their money back. You know, no one wants to go in the hole mm-hmm. making even their art, you know, that everyone maybe everyone If you can call that art. Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, you know well, not snuff, not that yeah. movie. That movie is not art at all, you know. But <laughs> but maybe to someone it is. I don't know. It's but again, it's it's it, they're giving. They're clearly filling a need, and I I think it goes back to you know it makes, and I think that's why I find it so fascinating. Is why is there that need to fill? Again, I think it's about needing that desensitization to it. Yeah, uh, it, it, snuff films were kind of piggybacking off the atrocities of the war, so mm-hmm. you know it's kind of easy to daisy chain those lies to get and be like, oh, if you enjoy. You know, seeing you know, you know the Vietnam or Vietnamese be killed and on on the television, maybe you will enjoy this about the Manson family. Well, like, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, well, it, it's I think, easy to piggyback off. Of well, it. and then I mean, there's I think there's the the fact of people seeing you know these war atrocities, and then I think like being like, well, what else is going on out there? Because we again, we're, we're not connected. There's no 24 hour news cycle at that point. You know, smartphones. I don't even know if they were smartphones on Star Trek. You know, at that point, mm-hmm. so we couldn't have been a world where we had this much information and technology literally sitting in our pocket. So I, I think you had a lot of people who were at that point being like, oh my God, I, I didn't know war looked like this. What else do these other countries look like? What's happening over here? Or it's the first time that they were faced with the fact that you know, war could be for profit. So thinking, oh, yeah. and then they associate, you know, killing on screen with money and power. And then that also helped create it. So yeah. Oh, well, wow. You're, you're just bringing up so, so many topics. And the thing is, <laughs> like, I think of some cool idea and then I totally forget it. The same <laughs> The very same second. Uh, but l- like later on, we had Ruggiero Deodato's, I think, in 1980, Cannibal Holocaust, we already mentioned. And if the listeners are not aware, though the m- movie depicts six murders of actual animals, yes. it supposedly I- is depicting also the murders of the cast of the movie because Deodato paid off the 
actors to not appear anywhere in media a year after release. Yep. Yeah. He, again, another another great salesman. And I mean, <laughs> and that's it was a, recopied about what the Blair Witch Project. Yes. Well, yeah, I, I mean, mean also yeah. too. Yeah, you kind of have almost the birth of found footage yes. with that yes. as well. And again, you could definitely tell with Diodato's style that movie was totally him using the setting of the Amazon and cannibals to basically recreate war footage. Yeah, absolutely. Just just from the way that the 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 the, the way the camera shot shots are and things like that. That is, you could tell he's taking a lot of inspiration from war footage that he's seen and and using it in yes. that movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's magnificent that we're talking about war footage now because wherever I listen to people talk about snuff or its history or read about it, nobody is mentioning the Vietnam War. And it was so obvious to me. It was obvious if snuff movies started as a concept because of this guy who was supposedly in the Manson family. What was happening then? The fucking Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Televised murder. So how is nobody making this connection, you know? Well, and, and they make the connection in the wrong way because you have a lot of people, and I don't even mean in a political sense, you have a lot of conservative people who, you know, long for the the, the quote-unquote good old days, like the 50s and 60s, where, you know, life was far more simplistic. You had your, your 2.5 kids, the nuclear family, mom stayed at home and wore pearl necklaces and cocktail dresses and vacuumed and fixed you up a, a whiskey when you came in from the office. And little Billy had a ball game and everybody was you know you had your bowling league and shit like that but in in that sense a lot of the people who pine for that existence are also were, were at the time were very much in favor of the Vietnam War mm-hmm. so I'm like you you guys you guys destroyed the exact thing that you wanted if if that is and was the case it. yeah trying to protect it they destroyed it well not even yeah. trying to protect it but it's I, I, I don't know like when it Their comes thought to, process well, yeah when it comes to the Vietnam it, yeah. War I, I literally my head hurts even trying to fucking think about why any of that shit was any of our business to be begin with yeah but yeah a lot of stuff even when it comes to true crime you know you look at at the way you know and, and it's almost like they figured out that fear sells mm-hmm. because the 70s and and the death of the hippie movement didn't create serial killers but what it did create was this fascination of a media for them you mm-hmm. know like uh, the media couldn't wait to get the next serial killer to talk about because it drives it up just like now you know if you're if i don't care politically whatever you are if you're watching Watching your favorite news channel for hours a day, all they're doing is just amping you up. They're scaring the shit out of yeah. you. They're making you angry. They're doing all of these they're things. They're inundating you with the most negative negative shit that they can fucking possibly yeah. find at wanting profit. Yeah, and it comes back to the Vietnam era. They figured out that that will make people watch. And again, that boils down to a greater question. Why do we watch that? Why do we want to be made to feel angry and afraid and terrified constantly? Because a lot of the people who sit there and watch several hours of news a day think I'm a sick fuck for watching fucked up horror movies. And I'm like, you're watching the real thing constantly. How am yeah. I fucked up? <laughs> like- <laughs> but but here, here's something that I noticed. So Vietnam, you know, Asia and these atrocities people were seeing on TV. Oh, it's somewhere out there. It's happening oh, yeah. to these other people, you know? And then when snuff became a thing, all of the supposed snuff movies were supposedly all from South America. Oh, these yeah. cannibal savages and cannibal Holocaust or, Oh, this biker gang from Argentina and snuff you know it's <laughs> a, a, the tagline of the movie snuff was a film that could only be uh, filmed in south america where life is cheap yeah so uh. via via snuff and via these televised murders it's othering those other countries it's uh, conveying the sense oh this is not happening to us in america it's happening over there in those savage there, countries yeah yeah, well, I mean, even the same thing kind of happened with, and I and I doubt, I don't think that he meant for it to be that way. But most modern people's most uh, e- exposure to extreme cinema comes with 
hostile. And because of its setting in, you know, you know, lesser known, especially to American audience, European countries, you know, there was a big fear. What was it? Was it Slo- was it Slovakia? Yeah, Slovenia. Or okay, I am yeah. I am from Bosnia, which is even even poorer than Slovenia and Slovakia, <laughs> and I don't see anybody being, you know, murdered here for profit. <laughs> no, and, and I forget whatever. I think it was Slovakia, I, I believe, and I'm I'm probably wrong. So if everyone feel free in the comments to get me. Um, but but from Hostel One, you know that that government actually had to like they came out and was like, look, this has never fucking happened here. <laughs> yes. Please do not be afraid to come here. Yeah. Like we 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 would You're love your tourism dollars. dollars. Yeah. You know, but but then also too, there was a boon. You, you know there what? Was a financial up. boon from it too. That that movie then perpetuates this urban legend that causes people to not go there. So now Slovakia gets per, uh, poorer and poorer, and now it needs to resort to actually fulfilling the reality yes. of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, it's it's we 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 imagine the boogeyman, and in doing so, we we create it, even if it's completely by accident and innocently, it, it totally does happen. And then for a while there, any of those extreme horror movies, they they started there was there was you know, and then like what like every Bond villain at that point started to become some sort of Eastern European guy yeah. and yeah. shit like that. Like for a while, everyone was just like, yeah, all of those countries yeah. in Europe, like the little ones, don't go there. And I'm like, are you shitting me? Like yeah. I'd rather go there than a lot of u.s cities right (laughs) also uh we mentioned richard ramirez Uh, have you guys covered him on your show yet no and and the biggest reason is we obviously i mean you know you 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 see the kind of movies we're into we Mm -hmm. like the more obscure and there's so many channels that are going to cover them i won't say we never will uh we may eventually run out but we do stay clear from the more popular ones right now yeah especially the ones that are just done to death and Mm -hmm. you know usually i mean there's some popular ones we've covered but for some reason those that are like that were popular in like you know that came about during like the 70s and the 80s they just keep going and rehab. I mean, look at how I mean, Dahmer's like the new fucking the first ones. Actually, I think that what's a lot of the court cases were actually televised. Right. You know, it was reported on in the news and people had to like sit there and watch yeah. that shit. Yeah. So like every, like everyone else, we're very familiar with them. But no, we have not done an episode. Okay. On no. I wanted to point out that Richard Ramirez is a victim of the whole uh, Vietnam being televised type of shit. So, yes, you may his, know his, uh, his, was cousin. It his oldest brother. His Yes, his cousin that came back with PTSD from there. Yes. Severe PTSD. He, and he showed uh, Richard Ramirez when he was a young boy a video of them beheading some woman in Vietnam. Yeah. And that fucked him up for life. And now in the 80s, you know, after the war, we have this person who's a ticking time bomb influenced by this imagery of the Vietnam War. Now also being surrounded by the satanic panic shit. So he yep. even uses that to his advantage to kind of other himself away from the f- f- fuck that he's doing, you know. Oh, it's not right. me. It's Satan. You know, it's always this other. Oh, yeah. He's projecting it. Yes. Instead of taking the blame, he's projecting mm-hmm. it, uh, projecting that blame on other things. Because, I mean, truth be told, children saw that war as, you know, Vietnamese. They're not out there being serial killers. You know, I mean, we may have not covered them yet, but, you know, it doesn't always have to be. You are not always a victim of a situation. I think that's kind of why he pisses me off a little bit is it just because, I mean, I saw Cannibal for Ox when I was like three, four fucking years old. Uh, yeah. That's that's insane to me. Yeah. Still it, insane to me. Yeah. And that, I, I that remember, explains. I remember, all, <laughs> oh, it, oh, it, it totally, does. It totally it does. does. That's when anyone who listens to the podcast there, you know, she's she's usually the nicer one of the two. And yeah, I'm but, just but like, she's yeah, always but, cackling to your fucked up jokes. Exactly. So I what sometimes does that make say? some of bad. <laughs> yeah. I make bad ones, too. But no, yeah, like the fact that she, that, you know, because like, I again, I, I grew up insanely religious and which is its own trauma, too. <laughs> right. That explains that, 
explains a hell of a lot about me as well. Um, but yeah, so no, I, I think the first, I remember like my brothers like flipping it to a channel with like child's play on, like when my parents weren't looking because they would have gotten in trouble too. But like before then, like my biggest exposure was like going into the video store and looking at, you know, sneaking into the horror aisle, just look at box art. I don't really think I ever sat down and watched a, for my first full length horror movie until I was in my mid teens. Wow. Uh, but with, with Ramirez, he just, I don't know. He seems to be the one. He's so pompous. He wanted it. Yeah. To, he wanted to be cool. I think yeah. he felt doing what he did was cool. And that's not this, that's not to say he didn't have any kind of mental issues or anything like that. If you look at most of them, almost a hundred percent of serial killers do have very discernible mental problems. Like you were talking about book with, with his cousin showing mm -hmm. him that imagery and things of that oh, nature. I, I think his, that same cousin actually shot his girlfriend in front of him later. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. He and so he had witnessed. Not only had he seen murder, you know, in in pictures and things of that nature and in video, then he sees it up close. But then you also at that time have a media that is starving for someone like Richard Ramirez. Yeah. And he, I don't know, it's just his feathered hair mm -hmm. and shit like that. He looked like a fucking like he was he, like it was either going to be like being a serial killer or being in a hair metal band. <laughs> and so he decided to be a serial killer. And yeah. but yeah, and and he did. He played up to the media. With the mm -hmm. whole satanic thing, but I believe also too, Vuk, didn't his cousin supposedly expose him to to satanic rituals and things of that nature as well? What didn't that all stem from that too? Uh, I mean, defying satanic rituals because it's even questionable <laughs> if that was ever a thing. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, or even faux satanic I stuff think he or whatever. Exposed I guess. him to drugs very early on. Like yes, Richard Ramirez was high off his <laughs> mind all, all the time. And then being led by somebody who has a tremendous amount of PTSD, mm -hmm. um, a lot of anger towards you know the government that actually put him through that. You know, it, it's no surprise he turned out that way. But I did hate how he always just kind of grandiosed it, like, oh, because I saw this, this is the reason I am who I am. No. Now, this yeah. could be a whole, you know, episode on itself, murder memorabilia. Uh, I know two people who sent letters to Richard Ramirez and were pen pals with him. One of them, a woman, um, but she stopped doing that because she realized it's fucked up years before he <laughs> died. After he died, I told her like, hey, do you remember that? And she was like, fuck, I burned those letters. If I didn't do that, I would <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she 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 burnt a she burnt a few thousand dollars when she did that for sure. Because uh, yeah, murderabilia is a huge thing. Yeah. I don't personally have any myself. We're too broke. We got too many yeah, fucking yeah, kids. Yeah, we, yeah, we got too many kids, <laughs> and you know, and we we paid our podcasting microphones are too nice. And, <laughs> and I but, should point out to the listeners, you both are family people, even though you're very yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Yes, and and we we have normal kids. Yeah, uh, kind hopefully. of. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> As of right now, they're very normal. They, yeah. uh, they they haven't they haven't shown any abnormal signs. But no, we do. I mean, I think it's and, and I gotta think balance that, the fucked up with some wholesomeness. Yeah, I mean, dude, there's there's overindulgence that me, is a yeah. thing. It's bad for you to overindulge in things. Yeah, nothing better than after watching a movie that just absolutely crushes my soul from how violent and grotesque it is that to hold my like my baby girl and see her giggle and I'm like, you know what, this world's still pretty dumb. Yes. Like, yeah, you know, like <laughs> wow, who would have said that such an episode about murder on camera would have such right. a nice sentiment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, but uh, yeah, I tell everyone, have kids, watch horror movies. It's fun. It's, yeah. it's, it's all good. But no, I mean, and I think the other thing that a lot of people associate with, with snuff too, and I, I'm going to choose my words very carefully here uh, when it comes to the aspect of children mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll leave it at that nature because we, I would probably say, and we actually did cover um, Peter Scully. You mean Peter Scully? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. And, and, 
he has a lot of impact for anyone who doesn't know uh, Joe is my wife she's my co-host too she's half Filipino um, and Peter Scully was ultimately arrested uh, in the Philippines if you don't know much about Peter Scully research at very much at your own risk particularly again with sensitivities towards children it is it's soul crushing yeah it, it, it really very is. much so is and, and I'd also argue if you search him up or the video that he's famous for even yeah. in Google you're going to be on some kind of list absolutely yeah, probably. absolutely as are you two um, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. dude. Yeah. Our, our NSA agents have NSA agents at this point, so yeah, we're, we're fine with that. Assistance, assistance. So, it's okay. <laughs> so I tell everybody else, you could just listen to us. You don't got to get your hands dirty like we do. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, but that's still it's it's still that's as close I think as we've gotten to verifiable proof of what most people think of when they think of snuff movies. Mm -hmm. um, but we still, and again, not in a million fucking years would I care to see it, but we still don't verifiably have proof of those videos. There's plenty of police officers who have went, there's no reason to doubt them. I will say that, that have had to see the videos. Most of them have had extreme mental issues from having to do it uh, and things of that nature. But I think some of them actually had even retire after yeah, dealing with the case because of the PTSD of having to view some of that footage. Right. And and again, and but if you it, you can do a good a bit of, a good bit of research on Peter Scully and still see though that even though he was sick in his abuse towards children and he enjoyed that as well, most of what he was doing was for profit. Absolutely. Um yeah, he was he was selling the videos like $10,000 a piece. Yep, yeah, that's yep. that's that's what web. they say. Yeah. Um I will say there was um a YouTuber who used to do a lot of uh, dark web digging. I don't believe he does it anymore. That he he purportedly had a friend who got a hold of it. Again, completely unsubstantiated, but he had a, a very detailed breakdown about what was in it. I have watched that and read other breakdowns of the video, which is bad enough mm. uh, as it is. But so I, again, I think that a lot of people, if they ask, like, does snuff exist? Yes, it does exist. I don't know if it exists in every strict definition of the word. But I, I think what, what really scares me more about it is that whether or not it, it exists is irrelevant and more or less how much more prevalent it is going to exist as it tends to go. I mean, again, I, I, I like freedom. I'm a huge fucking friend of freedom. Mm -hmm. I don't want to shut down the dark web, but there's a fucking price when it comes to that with with people and what they can do. And again, you know, don't don't peek under the bed if you don't want to see the monster. Just just put just pull the covers up and don't even go look for it yeah. people. Yeah, but then again, there's also this theme of we create a boogeyman and we make yeah. him a reality. So with the advent of internet and live streaming and all that, we're constantly talking about red rooms. And, yes. the deep web. and the more you have people talking about red rooms and creating creepy pastas about red rooms even there was a movie with diane lane i can't remember the name that kind of alluded to red rooms before they were a thing yeah well and, and even that be kind of kind of got spawned out of the hostile movies right yes you know because yes. because because eli roth said that he got the idea from it he had heard about this i think it was in a southeast asian country where there was this uh like elder of the family like a grandfather who was terminally ill and he ended up getting connected with some very rich guy who I think gave him like five or 10,000 US, which was a shitload of fucking money then if he would allow him to just come in there and shoot him. He just wanted to, he wanted to kill a man and wanted to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And so there was like this, all this like urban legend that Eli had heard about that this was a real thing. And that's the thing that's even more just alarming because even though I say that and there's no proof, can anybody in this, in this chat argue that that doesn't sound like something completely fucking plausible? Yeah, we're, we're too used 
we we know humanity is just fucking awful. You know what I'm saying? If you if you've <laughs> so got it's all easy the, to believe. If you've got all the money in the fucking world, yeah, it does seem very possible, but it does not seem like there would be you know a whole industry or a cabal doing that. No. It seems more like <laughs> an isolated individual incident. Right? Yeah, yeah. You, it wouldn't have the network that you see in like you know the hostile yeah. movies attached yeah. to it and stuff like that. And again, it couldn't. It would be found out to absolutely way too quick. And I think that's the other thing of it. But again, it, you know, it, it is the other thing too of like finding out, like you were saying, you know, like, you know, in creating the boogeyman, you know, if someone finds out about Peter Scully, that, honestly, we never need, we never have to have proof that he actually did what he did. Who decides that they want to then make the myth a reality? Yep. Well, Same thing with, like you were yeah. saying with Red Rooms. And even like Peter Scully, like a man who would be interested in doing this sees, oh, Hollywood is putting out movies like Hostel, you know, uh, there's a whole demand of this stuff, even though it's in the realm of urban legend. Why wouldn't I make it a reality if I could? Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and and the way Peter Scully did stuff was like right up the alley of the, the Schumacher film I brought up earlier, 8mm. That was, that was, there was a lot of stuff dealing with, with underage in that because it wasn't just that one investigation that Nicolas Cage was doing. He gets into the underground of essentially extreme cinema and then gets linked up with, you know, the real hardcore stuff. And I think that that's the thing too, is like, I think you made a good point though there. You said link. And that's the thing. It's not so much it's like a collective group. It's a network of people, of individual people that are all searching and looking for the same thing. That right. is how they cross paths. Like Peter Scully, I mean, he he may not even needed to really advertise, but he was already networked with people. He right. knew if he put this out there, he knew already the network was in place in order to sell it. That's part of the problem. Yeah, that's why I never buy when someone's like, oh, I just stumbled across it. I'm like, no, the fuck you no, didn't. No, you didn't. You sucked that. You <laughs> seeked it out, yeah, motherfucker. You You're maybe, gross. Maybe you regretted it after the fact, yeah. but you 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 definitely didn't just stumble across this shit. Yeah. Like it's it's I'm not saying it's not there. Again, I can't say that it's not there or there because I'm not fucking looking for it. I don't want to no. see it. I don't no. want to know. I'm I'm happier with my ignorance. Sometimes the ignorance blue pill is, is a lot better than the red pill, yeah. people. <laughs> Uh, you're mentioning 8mm a lot, which was in 1999, but I think back in the 70s, there was the movie Hardcore, or was it yes. later, which was very similar, you know, an underground uh, related to a snuff film. So yeah, you know, this idea is much older than 8mm. Right. And, and again, you know, it's, it's, you know, and, and it even, you know, you think about it, it's, it's, it's sometimes like, and again, this is where we can get into the, the mysticism of it and things of that nature. Are, are we, are we creating it because we're thinking it, you know, just like how a lot of people say that science fiction dictates where science goes, you know, people grew up seeing technology in Star Trek that didn't exist and they were really smart at math or, or physics or some shit. And they were like, Hey, I want that. I want what they have. I want, I want, you know, that device. So then they decide to do it well uh, going back like to satanic panic you know it's all bullshit it's baloney it's uh mythology and a moral panic but then as it is already a thing in the public consciousness we have people like richard ramirez who say hey this is a thing now might as well indulge in it or uh, much more benignly say heavy metal groups using satanic imagery because well it's a thing now in the pop culture why not profit off of it you know so if well, you, it, if you create yeah. something in the pop culture then you will uh, cause others to then use it for profit and make it a reality. Right. Well, I mean, even when we talk about the satanic panic, you know, no matter what anyone's opinion on it is, uh, the West Memphis Three. Yes. You know, how how much, you know, if you, if you again, I've I've dug into that, watched all of the, the movies. I've heard people on both sides of everything on it. I, I don't, I'm not an investigator. What the fuck ever. But it's, there is, it is not a secret that the 
these kids were quote unquote playing around with Satanism. And again, if you're, you know, someone like, you know, me and Joe were not religious and things of that nature. So, oh, I, I had a member of the Satanic Temple on my show <laughs> to say essentially how they're not religious at all, but need to be so they can have religious freedoms in a fucked up country. Yeah. So again, you know, as, to me, I don't give a shit what you're doing as long as you're not hurting anybody. So again, even if these kids are playing Satan, Satanist or whatever down there, it doesn't make them murderers. But then again, you know, would that case have even been a big thing if it wasn't coming off of the heels of this? Because when, when was West Memphis three? That was that like early nineties, um, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and the, and the whole satanic panic thing was like mid ish eighties. So, you know, I think satanic pa panic uh, stopped around the nineties. Right. So that you kind of had like West, the West Memphis three being like the final death rattle mm -hmm. of the satanic panic. So anyone who was really all about like, yes, it's true. Could point to that case and be like, look at it, look at it. Why? Cause there's fucking pentagrams there because the kid has a slayer shirt on. Like, but, but the I, reason yeah. there are pentagrams there is because satanic panic was already a thing. And then somebody right. who has nothing to do with satanism thinks, oh, this is cool. Might as well use it. You know, exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's like the Richard Ramirez thing, you know, is it did he really believe, you know, it, it, that he was a satanist or that he communicated with the devil? Or was it something he wanted to believe? He wanted to be true because it looked cool. You know, who knows? Joe, have you uh, anything to add there? <laughs> No, no, not on that. <laughs> oh, she, I, I'm, I'm she grew up. She grew up insanely not religious. Yeah. Like, no religion at all. So, like, even with satanic panic and shit, she's like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, no, I had no idea. Like, uh, my dad was like uh, an atheist, and my mother was like a devout Catholic, and they both agreed not to raise any of us with any form of religion. Okay, so uh, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> let's take a palate cleanser. Cleanser. So, I want to may maybe put you on the spotlight a bit more, uh, Joe. <laughs> Since you're half Filipino and you're already familiar with the culture and country there and the belief yes. system, do you know anything about Aswang panics and how they're used over there? Aswang? No, I'm not sure. Oh. No, that's that's no, that's like the cryptodes, the cryptids, <gasps> oh. the walk walks and walk, things walk. like okay, that. Okay, okay, so I, I didn't know the term, um, but yeah, yeah my mom, your mom uses the the walk, like walk. The, the the street term, I guess. Yeah, the street whatever, term. Yeah. yeah, okay, sorry. Oh, yeah, Aswang is supposedly an umbrella term of various different vampiric creatures that suck out viscera from people. Yes, yeah, so. So, yeah, my mom, I remember as a kid, would tell me some of the stories that she'd heard in her province, and they always just called them walk walks there. And it might be just a difference in um, the different dialects, because across the entire island, it's uh, islands, it's uh, Tagalog. Um, but in my mom's era, it's Visaya. So that might be only why I know it by walk walk. Um, but yeah, I was, I was brought up on some of them really weird fucking stories, and I loved them as a kid. <laughs> And the reason I'm bringing this up is because it really ties into this whole snuff, fil uh, snuff film stuff, especially, you know, media and the government and political people perpetuating folklores. So back after World War II, the Philippines were a communist country. Is that correct? Shortly after World War II. I believe dictatorship. Okay. It's, uh... Okay. So I, th I think after World War II, actually, it stopped being a communist country, but it had this rebel group. I don't know the history now, and probably you don't know as well, but essentially <laughs> the CIA helped the mainstream non-communist government of the Philippines to perpetuate these hoaxes of uh, Oswang panics. They planted dead people drained of their blood across villages in the Philippines to scare away the locals so the locals may think if i associate with these rebel communist groups i may end up like this person see i'm gonna have to ask my mom about that because like i hadn't heard about it from i only had heard like the little kitty 
stories where mom said like, you know, a fisherman came up and he he was uh, attacked by Walk Walk. And when his body exploded open, it came, there was a bunch of crabs that came out. Oh, wow. It's like crazy well, shit it, like that. Like, so I don't know any of the lore behind there it. one of them that like splits at the waist and like yes. the torso and stuff goes flying around. But then yeah. there's also the legs still do some like. Yeah, but if you find the legs and you kill the legs, you kill the body in the <laughs> oh, air. Yes. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, you fucking guys have shit. great monsters. Uh, there's the Penangalan, which is essentially a witch that can detach her head at night. The head floats off the body along with all the viscera from the body. Yeah. But the body is left, you know, intact. And then uh, the belief was that uh, in order to kill the Penangalan, you need to seek out its headless body while it's out roaming the night and yeah. fill the neck hole with glass shards. Yeah, so it can't reattach. I remember yeah. that little tidbit too. Yeah. See, we, we just recently... Uh, watched uh, it's 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 I think it only came out a year or two ago it's a Filipino movie called Death of Nintendo and it's kind of like a coming of age almost like a Filipino stand by me great movie we really enjoyed it mm-hmm. um, I think I got that either through Vinegar Syndrome or Severin one of the I think it was places vinegar. where it I can vinegar. get like foreign and exploitation films like on Blu-ray uh, but it all centered around remember they were going to go do that seance and I forget the name of the entity but it was either the one where it was the head that had all the guts attached to it or it was the one where like the body would go in half mm-hmm. but like it, it's it's crazy like because that those are like seriously discussed in Filipino like culture like even to this day yeah like about these creatures it's their boogeyman yeah, yeah yeah and and because they're discussed because they're a prevalent thing in that culture the CIA was able to use that belief to sway the the political affinities of the local people there that makes well sense. I mean there's so even I think <laughs> I think there's like even a conspiracy theory or urban legend or what have you that alien abductions in the US aren't real that that, like basically they're they're using some sort of like frequency or something to make you hallucinate but that actually government officials are taking you and experimenting mm-hmm. on you and things yeah. of that nature so I mean who knows ultimately because I mean I love anything to do with anything conspiratorial fucked up silly like I'll entertain anything and do deep dives on it and stuff like that so I'm just like yeah man like are, is Bigfoot real or is like the government out there <laughs> fucking in monkey suits and well, just again, fucking it's, with it's, people. It's <laughs> easy to think that the government has those type of secrets because of like un- you know declassified news that's co- or information that's been coming out even as of, uh, as of lately. Right. Every time they yeah, every time they declassify stuff, it doesn't look good. No. <laughs> no. Like, I'm, I'm, like I'm going to cut it there because my, my viewership is totally against the disclosure movement. Oh. We we talk about <laughs> UFOs as psychedelic phenomena but not as aliens flying in spaceships. <laughs> Well, see, we I'm even of the same way because like I, I feel like we don't really know enough about space to really do that. So I, I like the idea like is it crossing over dimensional beings? Are they here but do they vibrate on different wavelengths and mm-hmm. we can't see them? Are they on a different visible spectrum? And then like you were talking about like, you know, if you do psychedelics and stuff like that, you know, people who have seen shit like are they really tripping or are they like is are they seeing certain visible lights and colors and frequencies that they can't normally see? You know, so I we get into that stuff too. Man, we we love it. Okay, I I wanted to tell my listeners. So listeners, uh, John and Joe here have a show that's so fucked up and underground (laughs) that the only sponsor they have for advertisement (laughs) is a company that deals with shrooms. Yes, yes. yes. Schedule thirty five. You can use promo code STDPOD STDPOD to get fifteen percent off your order. Uh, Yeah, they 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 sell uh, psilocybin chocolate bars, uh, and they also sell micro dosing packets. Which I'm I'm actually a I'm I'm a proud micro doser. I've been doing it for I think that's actually we found out about this company and and I was using them for a while before even approaching them. uh, And I guess they I guess we approached them to ask them something through the podcast Instagram, and then we started talking. And then like a sponsorship thing 
came up. But uh, mm. yeah, yeah, we uh, yeah. That's us. That's <laughs> I constantly, I, I don't know why. Is it because I talk about a psychedelic phenomenon on my show or aliens or whatever? But I constantly get people adding me on Instagram and then activating that discrete mode or whatever it's called. Hey, dude, <laughs> are, would you be interested in peyote? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we were highly suspect when we heard of this place and watched like a ton of reviews and read a bunch of reviews of everybody being like, it's 100% legitimate. The way they package it is how it's, you know, it's legal because it's broken down into capsules and stuff like that. And then, I yeah, so I so far we haven't had anybody come and raid our mailbox. <laughs> but um, so, but yeah, yeah, schedule35.co, they, uh, they absolutely work. Yeah, no one, no one is going to sponsor us. I And I probably, they're going to find out eventually. Oh, nobody, nobody's going to sponsor me now that I had you guys on. <laughs> no, no, no. We, Sorry. we are, we are, we are death to any, yeah. anything. Uh, but uh, that's one of the, th- I think too, that's why we kind of do what we do. Oh, you, you, know? you do what you do to spread the dreads. Absolutely. But we know, we know no one, there's, there is no money to be made in being the kind of people we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's very freeing. Yeah. And we just do it for the fucking fun of it. Oh, I, yeah. I am notorious for uh, shitting on monetization and advertisements and sponsors and stuff like that. I do my show with the intention that I will never make a single dime off it so I can do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> yep. Like we, we have, we have that one sponsor and we do have a Patreon. Uh, it's yes. not a very successful Patreon. On, nope. Uh, as as one might would figure, <laughs> but but it is there. But no, I mean we we got into this to have fun. We were we we started it up during uh, lockdown and quarantine yeah. and all of that stuff, and we were losing our minds and wanted to try something. And you know we we've had fun with it. And at the end of the day, if that's all it it, it is, it's still cool. We get to you know we get to meet people like you and, and things like that that we would have never we would have never linked up with yes. a lot of the people we've talked to if we hadn't have done it. So it's it's very cool. And I want to tell my listeners like I've been talking with uh, John and Joe here for like a year or a year and, ha- and a half. It's yep. not just mm-hmm. a collab out of the blue now with somebody I don't know. <laughs> No, no, no. no. We, we were yeah. we were talking to you back when you had a different. I think you had a different pod yes. and everything mm-hmm. like that. You you found us kind of early on in our in our stuff. So yeah, no, we've we've been uh, shooting the shit back and forth on IG for quite a while. And we're, like you said, we're 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 insane. We're we're honored. And then you were willing to take the risk to have us on. Yeah. <laughs> I I apologize to your listeners. I I apologize to you for your slumping numbers that are bound to uh, start happening after this. Oh, so. and, and this episode will be broadcast after an episode about satanic panic. So it's going to be very very powerful oh great you're <laughs> awesome. either you're either gonna you're either gonna drive off your your, uh, your audience or you're gonna have a whole different type of audience after <laughs> these two episodes here uh, i want to say like uh, spread the dread uh, did you did it ever occur to you that you know shortened its std and what That's, what are you started. spreading man <laughs> <laughs> it's it actually it started as std yes. so i wanted to i don't know we, we got a we, sick we, sense of humor and yeah. then we were like coming up with names and then it literally we were like hey how about spread the dread podcast and then when i we were both looking i was like holy shit if you abbreviate that it's std fucking perfect <laughs> yeah, i really i really wanted a name that kind of rhymed yeah and so when, you know i was just looking up different like you know like i was like on like a thesaurus <laughs> looking up all kinds of stuff and then i was like all right spread the dread and i was like holy shit that's std this is perfect yeah like <laughs> <laughs> Which is why, like when when we did our microdosing uh, promo code, we said we asked them was like, "Hey, can it be STD Pod?" <laughs> and they were like, "If 
you fucking want that, you can have it. <laughs> we were like, absolutely. Oh, man. So I want to end the episode maybe talking more about you guys, especially like what attracts you to the idea of uh, preserving physical media and especially the fucked up one. So I love collecting. I used to be like really big into uh, I'm a, I'm a, I do gaming and stuff like that. I used to have a massive uh, video game collection. And then just over time with with fatherhood and working and stuff like that, I just don't get a chance to game like I used to. So I would see this massive collection of games. No, I was never going to play them and almost have a panic attack over it. So I got rid of that. But I've always been a massive movie fan. Even when we got together, it was weird because like I had when we first got together and moved into our first place, we had no idea how big each other's like DVD collection was. (laughs) And then what we finally sat down, we came together. It was like over 400 fucking movies. We're like, holy shit, we got something to bond over. But but was it like 300 titles that were exactly the same? No, it was very odd. We had a few, we had a few, but not, not too many. Maybe five or six that overlapped, but everything else was random. And and now I think my, uh, my collections approaching almost, almost a thousand. uh, If I add in movies and like, you know, box sets and things of that nature, like shows and stuff, but it is diversified. It's Mm -hmm. not everything. There's a, it's mostly horror and cartoons though, because I, we watch horror and we have kids. So we uh, love cartoons. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of like, you know, our, our youngest going and trying to pick, pick a movie and me being like, no, 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 don't, not that one. Don't touch that one. <laughs> you don't want uh, that. Yeah, one. that's and they'd be like, why? And I'm like, just I can't tell well, you why. I mean, yet, can, you can you put that one on the top shelves that they can't reach? No, because I because no because I have such bad OCD. I have they have to be alphabetized. alphabetized. Oh man. Yep. So so but uh but, but I yeah I did tell her I was like I think I need to just I need to put it somewhere. He hasn't gotten curious enough yet. Uh, but maybe when he does, I may have to just I, I get like a Scooby Doo door or something <laughs> and hide him behind that. But but no, as far as preserving, especially if you're a horror fan, and you know Joe and I are both in our late thirties. Uh, if you're a horror fan, there was a ton of media. Luckily, there's a big revitalization of it now of bringing it back. But so much media in the horror field, and I would probably say too, like sci-fi and things like that, got lost when VHS went to yeah, DVD. The format wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and even more when DVD. I mean, DVD's still around, but even with going to Blu-ray and stuff like that. But big time when with VHS to DVD because it was so much more expensive to put stuff out on DVD, and so a lot of stuff got lost in time. And then you had streaming become so prevalent so mm-hmm. you know the video store you know i remember going to video stores and they would sell stuff you know after something was kind of past its prime they would have a section of like former rentals that you could buy mm-hmm. uh, but that didn't happen and then you had a lot of places that were shutting down and they were just destroying their stock and yeah. things like that so yes and i don't I, know i, I want to mention also uh w- when we're talking about let's say 80s shitty horror movies a lot of them were basically recorded on vhs directly yes you know so yep. even yes. if you want to put them on dvd you may not have the original yep. right and and not only that but i mean it, even as the technology came around to be able to do conversions like that it was still very expensive mm-hmm. and you're also talking about a lot of movies that at the time even were only successful because of video rentals they never went to movie theaters mm-hmm. there was no streaming shit so i mean honestly the, the streaming format back then was just to release it on vhs and get it in every video store you could think of and that's how you made your money back and i don't know like especially like i love streaming as much as the next person but i love having something tangible i like i want to look i want to open the box i want to look at the artwork myself yeah. i i want to see it physically i don't know i i don't think i'll ever be 100 percent digital ever no and there's a push towards that i mean you yeah. look at the revitalization of vinyl 
and things of that nature. You know, I even have not a large, but I have some stuff on vinyl and mostly I don't even really listen to it on vinyl much because I have Spotify and shit like everybody else. But I love how big the artwork is and how beautiful it is. And I think that's one of the things I like, too, because a lot of especially the uh, the more underground horror and stuff like that, they usually do very limited runs of it. Like one of my favorite things I own is the bunny game. Um, it's a uh, very underground, uh, like disturbing movie. I think when it first came out, they only put out like 200 Blu-rays of it. And then randomly when I was trying to find one at an affordable price, I came across a German company who had gotten licensed and they only did like 150. And it's like, it's a book. Everything's in German. I can't fucking read it, <laughs> but it's in like this nice bookcase with all of this stuff in there. And I got it like for way less than what I would have for like the original Blu-ray run. So like, I, I love stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's hand numbered on the back and things like that. And I make sure that we, like every Blu-ray player in my house is region free. I tell anyone, if you want to collect media, get a region free player It'll because save you so much fucking money. <laughs> oh yeah. There's some stuff. If I was to get like the North, like the region a, like for North America, I, there's stuff that was like hundreds of dollars for used. But literally if I went and got region B for like Europe, it was like 20 bucks used because they made so many more of them over there than they did here. It's just, it's crazy. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I love it. I, I love walking it's by it. It's my thing to preserve it though. Cause like somebody put their heart and soul and their money and their time yeah. into something and, and put it out into the world. And the best way you can kind of honor the artist is actually having it. So yeah, in our opinion, okay. it, it yeah. is, but, but does that apply to murder videos then? <laughs> uh, well, Wait, I think we got one, don't we? Well, we do. We do have. Um, there's this uh, company. I won't name them because I don't know if what they do is actually legal. Yeah. Because uh, they basically do bootlegs, but they bootleg stuff that's unavailable. So mm -hmm. they, they are providing a good service. They they did a collection of the Ricardo Lopez tapes, mm -hmm. and it's still a shitty quality, but it's on Blu-ray. I like to get stuff on Blu-ray mostly because the disc is uh, so Scratch. much more Scratch. less susceptible to scratching than what DVD is. I can yeah. care two shits about the video quality, but yeah. So we 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 do have the Ricardo Lopez tapes and things like that, and. Then, there's even something to be said, you know, we were talking about, you know, this whole thing about snuff. Mm -hmm. um, are you familiar with mixtapes? video mixtapes. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of that technically, I mean, and again, there, there it's, it's the faces of death model and, and things of that nature, but there is something to be said about the fact that they are preserving it. There's probably a lot of shit on some of those, uh, especially yes. like way back in the day mixtapes. And I, I am very well aware of this because a lot of those and not even faces or traces of death, but like these very, very underground shitty ones have oh, yeah. footage from the nineties Bosnian war, the atrocities in my ah, country. Yeah. And a man, lot of, gotcha. A lot of that footage is unfortunately preserved in the form of these shitty movies. Right. And and again, it's it's at least good that it's, in my opinion, it's at least good that it's there. Mm -hmm. Because especially to, I, I, again, I really give a shit what anyone's thoughts of the thing is. I We're just very anti any kind of censorship. And the internet is increasingly, at least the normal, your surface everyday web is constantly getting scrubbed. And there's a lot of stuff, whether you like it or not, that is getting lost. Mm -hmm. And it's becoming far more like hard for, to find that stuff. And for anyone who's just curious about it, that sucks. And it, and it does suck that someone's going to have to, you know, if they're wanting to find, you know, Bosnian war footage from the 90s, eventually they may have to get, you know, like scum fuck fest yes. volume three <laughs> on DVD to fucking get it. But like at least to research, it's here. you know, I, I want to research the history of my country. I need to get scumbag fuckers. <laughs> yes, know? exactly. Yeah, it's 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 that is going to eventually be a historical document. You series. Like. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, I also mentioned to you guys uh, the whole last footage thing, especially related to Christine Chubbuck. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. For the yeah. listeners who may not know, Christine Chubbuck is the first person to commit suicide televised on air in America. I think this was the uh, late 70s. She was very depressed. There, it's a whole thing. There's a whole movie, Christine, about her, a drama. Yes. Yeah, yeah very much. I, we were fans of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's a very sad, depressing movie. But yes. essentially what she did is she committed suicide as a political statement on air against, you know, the, the news broadcasting company that she was working for. I, I can't remember right. what she said, like, uh, in the spirit of blah, 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 we're bringing you uh, blood and guts on the screen, something like that. Okay, guys, Vuk from the future here. So I've been editing the episode and I decided maybe I should read uh, Christine Chubbuck's last words. So if you look on the internet, there can be many different variations of her last words, but this is off of Wikipedia, but the cited source is the actual police report, which is on archive.org. So based on the police report, she stated, in keeping with the WXLT practice of presenting the most immediate and complete reports of local blood and guts news, TV40 presents what is believed to be a television first, in living color, an exclusive coverage of an attempted suicide. Now, in doing more research into this, I am finding out that there is a huge possibility that Christine did not intend to commit suicide, but rather intended to attempt suicide, because she stated on air before shooting herself that they're presenting a coverage of an attempted suicide. But also, the news director, Mike Simmons, was quoted as saying she had written something like TV40 News personality Christine Chubbuck shot herself in a live broadcast this morning on a Channel 40 talk program. She was rushed to Sarasota Memorial Hospital, where she remains in critical condition. So, essentially, this is what Christine wrote down as a note uh, for, essentially, a news story of her own shooting, or rather of her own attempted suicide. So that makes the story much more fucked up because possibly she did not intend to pass away from this. But then I find something more fucked up. So this same station director, Mike Simmons, was quoted as saying that Chubbuck's suicide was unrelated to the station. And he said the crux of the situation was that she was a 29-year-old girl who wanted to be married and who wasn't. Ugh. The minister who delivered her eulogy stated, We suffer at our sense of loss. We are frightened by her rage. We are guilty in the face of her rejection. We are hurt by her choice of isolation. And we are confused by her message. And if I look into where we can find that message, the actual footage, based on Wikipedia, it states the broadcast of Chubbuck's death has not been seen since its airing and numerous theories on what happened to the recording have have been advanced. One theory was that the station owner, Robert Nelson, kept it, and it was in the possession of his widow, Molly. It was also confirmed in June of 2016 that the recording of Chubbuck's death exists, and had indeed been in Nelson's possession, but was handed over to a very large law firm for safekeeping by Molly. She has no plans to make it publicly available. Now, from what I see, 
In 2017, the footage surfaced on the internet. I saw it just now, and I don't want to see it again, if it's even real, because the internet is full of fake versions of this footage, because this is one of the most sought-after pieces of lost media, or rather has been for quite a while now, if we are to believe that the footage online now is actually real. So that's just what I wanted to say about Christine, and, and I would advise you to watch the movie from 2016 titled Christine, where she was portrayed by Rebecca Hall. It is a very sad depressing movie so if you're somebody who is going through mental wellness issues or suicidal thoughts then don't watch the movie but also why the fuck are you even listening to this episode yeah she was what we were talking about earlier she she was very much and again she had her own mental problems yes. yeah. you know and stuff like that but she was very much against they just wanted to keep showing the violence mm-hmm. and the death and the yeah. murder and, yes and know. she she fell into a very deep depression a lot of it's very nuanced watch the movie guys but and the, it's really sad. It, it the hopelessness of yes, it. and the movie even recreated her whole uh, suicide footage. But she shot herself in the head on live TV as a political statement against news media being obsessed with you know blood and guts. And now that footage is completely lost. Very intentionally, they destroyed that footage after her death. And I think that's pretty fucked up because this woman died for that footage yes. to be a thing. Yeah, that was going to be my exact fucking phrasing is like, now she's died in vain. Yes. Because somebody said that what she did wasn't the correct way of protest. It wasn't the correct way to get her idea across. They've lost the footage and she has died in vain. And it's fucking bullshit. It's like, you know, the burning monk, the burning Vietnamese monk. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine if nobody took that photograph we would not have that image on the album of rage against the machine as a political <laughs> statement against the vietnam war yep exactly well and i think you know that's I th- and i know that there's always there, there's always a thing of like oh you know and i get like for instance w- directly with christine chubbuck you know the family you're like oh well, the family didn't want to i get that uh but it was ultimately her life and she chose specifically to do that while being broadcast for a reason again will we ever see it i don't know has has it been fully destroyed? Is every bit of it gone? I don't know. Uh, I, I doubt think it. audio was preserved and it's even on YouTube. I yes. listened to it. Yes. And I think what the video exists like right up until the point of the suicide, right? Yeah. Like they have her making the statement. Uh, but I think before the gun comes out and everything like that, when she mm-hmm. makes that statement, you could still find that. But, you know, it's a, still it's another thing, too, where, you know, even with like on air suicides, you know, we saw this with Bud Dwyer. Yes. And that yeah. one is readily available. Yes. You can oh, find yeah. his video anywhere. And because that thing was readily available and rebroadcast over and over after it happened, that enticed people to look further into his life because, you know, he was just some shitty nobody politician in a some yeah. state. But then they uncovered why he committed suicide televised on air because of this whole bribery scandal uh, that was occurring and him being forced to resign because of the corruption of other politicians around him. Yeah, wasn't he like eventually like acquitted of it like after everything? And we would not know that if he did not do what he did and if it was not preserved. No, because you know, he would have more than likely went to jail and it would have been done. Uh, Or he or like most politicians, he wouldn't have went to jail. He would have just faded away and what have you. But and I think that that's, you know, there is something and I mean like for instance like when we were talking about Ricardo Lopez he's one of our I hate saying it this way he's one of our best performing episodes again it's this it's this interest around our demise our ultimate demise and there is something very I don't know 
I hate to use this word, but that attracts us. It's very visceral. Yeah, especially to people who decide to end their own life. I think that a lot of us have, you know, we've, we, we deal with depression and anxiety and everything like that. But I, I, very few of us, uh, particularly statistically speaking, uh, you know, all, uh, those of us talking and your people listening, very few of us have ever not necessarily not contemplated suicide, but but gotten to the point of like legitimately about to do it. You know, and and I think that there's there is a curiosity to what Goes takes through their mind. Yeah, what you gets know, them what's to that, that process point? look like? You know, like right. what what's the tipping point that somebody finally decides to do that? And I think that that's where our morbid curiosity and comes the, even from. the aftermath because after n- not necessarily watching and I did watch the Ricardo Lopez video many times as a fucked up teenager but the (laughs) audio after hearing that Mm -hmm. I do not want anything to do with that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, and uh, you know, and for instance, like we, we were just we were just talking about Budge Wire and Christine Chubbuck and Ricardo Lopez, and you have three people who committed suicide for three very different mm-hmm. reasons. You have Ricardo Lopez; pretty much his is purely just fucked up in his head. He had his obsession with Bjork, you know, to the best of our knowledge, clearly mentally unstable. Decided to kill her by sending a bomb through the mail, so he was going to have to kill himself. Uh, you, you also had Christine with with mental illness, but I think that she just finally reached a breaking point. Then you had Budge Wire, who I think was a man who just fa- finally finally found himself back against the wall, had lost everything Mm -hmm. and literally just didn't have anything in his mind to live for anymore. Um, So particularly when you, when you, when you get suicide videos that, that have backstory to them, those are always going to be very looked upon. Okay. But but with Bud Dwyer, wasn't it also that by committing suicide, his family got some kind of life insurance or something from him because yeah, if he I ended mean, up in jail they would have nothing yeah i mean i'm sure he was I, i've i've heard that i don't I, it could be confirmed i'm unaware if that's confirmed personally yeah i must say uh, nowadays uh usually if you have an insurance policy you're you don't get payout if somebody commits suicide but in no, that era, era of you time do. usually there's usually there's some sort of a time period and stuff like that and i i i, I you would have to buy a special type of policy well, most standard most policy. of okay, it guys, too, it's, we're, we're like this is <laughs> <laughs> of course My bad. Would, of course we would know this so, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh last episode the satanic panic one is essentially uh, Dr- dungeons and dragons and satanic panic and the whole dungeons and dragons thing uh, related to satanic panic started off because of teenage suicides so i started yeah. that episode with a trigger warning for suicide now gotcha. Gotcha. all of these trigger warnings i'm, I'm not cutting this out man <laughs> 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 but all of these trigger warnings I'll need to put on this episode. Oh. Right. Yes. Yes, we do. Uh, and, and it's funny you bring up the Dungeons and Dragons thing because I, I did you guys mention the influence of the Jack Chick trap? Yes. The, yes. The, yes. So because I w- was raised Southern Baptist, I'm very familiar with those. So uh, yeah, that was that was a big push by particularly the uh, the Southern religious communities in America about the, the dangers of that. Wow. This is so uh, such a fucked up episode. <laughs> But <laughs> thankfully, it will be my least played episode. And even, yes, for even sure. if somebody plays it, like how long have we been recording now? Oh, oh man, an hour and 40. Oh. Yeah. So even if somebody played the episode, they probably did not get to this part. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, pro- probably not. Well, maybe maybe the Dreadheads did. Like if you, anybody who watched it or listened to it all the way through is probably our fucked up fans yeah. who will definitely be sending over here. So The fucked up thing is that uh, society does not address mental illness properly and that we have this, you know, corruption and all of these other reasons why these three individuals have come to such a tipping point where they feel that they need to televise their own suicide. Right. Oh, no, a hundred percent there. And I mean, honestly, I think the, the cases like Ricardo and Bud and Christine, they're, they're going to get less notorious because they come from a time where 
we didn't have IG Live, Facebook Live, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. It's it's now sadly not uncommon for someone to to quote unquote televise their their own suicide on or or their own crime or their yeah. own murder or anything on the internet. And and these these come from eras of media that just don't exist anymore. You know, mm-hmm. like the home the home video of a handy cam with Ricardo Lopez. You know, a press conference with Bud Dwyer, a, 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 an evening news, news thing with, with yeah. Christine. But you, know, but you see, w- with them, there's so much intent put into this. Like if they yeah. put out, put so much intent and planning into creating the circumstances to do this, there, right. there was no turning back then. They pro- definitely decided on that. I feel if we lose that footage because it is out of political protest, not with Ricardo Lopez, he was fucked up, but right. with these two, uh, if we lose that footage, it is like these people died in vain. It's like we are censoring the political turmoil and societal issues and mental illness issues that brought these people to the tipping point. Yes, absolutely. Mm. It's easier to sweep them under the rug and then, you know, business as usual. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they just don't want, people don't want to deal with it. Yes, which is what happened with Christine, you know, swept, sweeping the footage under the rug, business as usual, nothing changed. Right. And sometimes I think that these, that these things are kept quote unquote as lost media for those reasons. Mm-hmm. They, they, they always do it under the guise of of doing it for someone else, the family, this, this, or that. More than likely, the family has seen it. More than likely, her family watched her anytime she was on the news and things of that nature. So more than likely, they saw it live. Things weren't on a time delay back then, yeah. As they are now. As you know, thank thank you, Janet Jackson's breast yeah. <laughs> uh, for putting everything on a time delay. But back then, no. So I mean, anybody in that area, and again, people record every, especially back then, the, the, the age of VHS or probably Betamax was still going on then <laughs> even too but I, I don't think that it's fully lost I don't know why and I think that's the other thing that always you know it's like well if if it's not fully lost why did someone not release it mm-hmm and I, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe it really truly is truly fully lost. Uh, but and then, if like I said, I think the more interesting question, too, is that if it's not truly lost, why is it not out? Yeah. And especially with Christine, like I, as a, if I were a family member, I think it honestly would piss me more uh, more off that it got lost because, like you said, it died in vain. Like she, that was her last stand. She did it for a reason. And now it's gone. Now she's yeah. gone. And now the footage is also gone. Well, yeah. And I mean, she's not. I mean, despite that there being a movie, which is, it's not an insanely popular popular movie Mm -hmm. Uh, and us talking about it. She's not well known. I'm sure there's plenty of people who's listening to this episode going, who? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe even the same with Bud Dwyer. I bet more people know about Ricardo Lopez because it involved a celebrity and, you know, it's a lot more on the internet and and things like that. And there is actually that footage. But I mean, there's probably plenty of people who who would probably not even remember the name Bud Dwyer. But if you showed them the footage, they'll be like, oh yeah, I have seen that. That was at his name and things like that. I mean, the the image before he shot himself of the giant revolver in his mouth, like that's a pop cultural image now. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah. Even. No. That, that. Yeah. That. That is a very infamous scene right there. You know where. where and the, I think there was one where he's kind of holding it almost to the side, and you can see shadows of people trying to get to him. It looked like. You know. Yeah. The, the, a lot of imagery there. Mm-hmm. I, I need to be honest. Like the Christine Chubbuck story, it pisses me off so much whenever I remember it. How, mm-hmm. how somebody's life just went in a vein. Even when they decide to end their own life, we, we should not be the ones who end their legacy as well because of what they do. Yep. Right. Well, and then again, it's, it's... It's the whole thing with dying with dignity. I kind of I think it kind of feeds into like uh, my feeling about it is like people should be able to control their lives and in their deaths, even no matter how fucked up of a reason it is that they, they've gotten to the point to commit suicide. But yeah, the, the person should be allowed to do it their way. Okay. So do you guys know the footage? I can't 
remember his name, but a guy who got cancer and uh, got screwed over by the insurance companies. So this is, I think, from the 90s or late 80s footage from a helicopter of him trying to burn himself in a, a car on a highway, then coming out of the I, car I, and yes, shooting himself yes. with yep. a shotgun. Yeah, I've seen yeah. Yep, I've seen that footage. And yeah. even yeah, that was, like was a, you know, out of political protest. Yeah. Well, I think, too, I mean, when, you know, when the, the biggest question, too, is like, why is why does certain thing? I mean, like if you're going to censor certain things coming out, why the fuck is some of the things we can see out there? Right. You know, and 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 it, it, maybe it plays into the whole political aspect of it. If it's there just to be grotesque and to instill fear. Sure, we'll let them have that. But if there's a meaning behind it, uh, something that might actually make them dig a little deeper. Don't don't let that get out if we can control it. Yeah. Well, we're ending on a very fucked up note. <laughs> 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 just like we started for yeah, sure yeah. i mean it, it, you you've you've you i appreciate your uh cojones for inviting <laughs> us on and again i hope your i hope your listeners enjoyed it but i I, I, again, I hope warned, my listeners didn't even listen to this part there you go and it, and again if they did i will again state we are being so much more couth yes on this episode <laughs> Then we are on our own. We don't give trigger warnings. We no. float from awful topic to awful topic and make terrible jokes. Oh, yeah. So please mm -hmm. listen to us at your own risk. <laughs> I mean, that, that's why I enjoy your show, even the episodes about the big name serial killers. Like, if you're a fan of true crime, I'm not a fan of true crime, but if you are right. of true crime podcasts, millions of episodes on Dahmer, you know. But when I see one of your episodes on Dahmer or somebody big, I'm like, wow, I can expect to hear something that I do not hear on these other, you know, polished podcasts. Yeah, no, that's uh, we we definitely try to do things a little bit different, and that's usually to a detriment. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, that's for sure. There's there's no other true crime uh, podcast out there quite like the Dread. So for better or usually for worse, it's like what Joe said earlier. Uh, you get desensitized to this, especially like if you're somebody who listens to true crime podcasts all the time. You get desensitized, and then you seek out the thrill more and more. So they end up on your podcast. To, yes. To yes. Hear the raw, uh, unedited, uncensored stuff. Yes, yes, we we are the we are the true crime podcast uh, representation of the web link to the gore site you should not have clicked. <laughs> you click you clicked on it anyway, and now you can't fucking forget about it, even yeah. though you want to try. Yeah. Uh, so yes, we 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 are proudly underground, and we're, we we proudly are not for everybody, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, definitely listen at your own risk. Uh, I'd say <laughs> if you do it, so they don't have to. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. We we we've got to occupy we got to occupy our space in hell. If if we don't do it, someone's going to do it. <laughs> so it might as well be us. We're comfortable with it. <laughs> okay. Well, th this was a fucked up conversation. I usually say it's an interesting <laughs> conversation, but this is fucked up. <laughs> but yes. Um, yes. I, I'm happy that we had this conversation. I'm happy that I expressed all this stuff that I've been holding in myself since my edgy teenage years. <laughs> there you go. And it does tie into folklore, mythology, you know, the paranormal. It ties into the satanic panic, this whole snuff business. And then as yeah. I think the moral of the, this whole story is if you start making up a boogeyman, you're going to create one. Absolutely. Yes. Totally agree. I, I, I think that uh, as humans, 
humanity, we we often want our legends to come become reality, and sometimes maybe even more so when our legends are negative. You know, so and you know, just like us people, there was there was clearly a need for someone to <laughs> to take true crime and really make it awful uh-huh. and and insensitive. And you guys birthed us, and now we're here. <laughs> well, well the, you know, I'm I'm a biology guy, and you know, I used to be a biology teacher, and like you can talk about parasites. Sure, they kill the host organisms and do fucked up messed up shit with them but they fill out an ecological niche an ecological role that needs to be filled out and if they did not then something else will yep exactly if it if it wasn't us there they would be someone else so <laughs> we're, we're glad it's us we're glad that you fill your role and everything like that as well and like i said we we were honored to uh, to be featured on this where we get into we love our paranormal and our some of our cryptozoology stuff and things like that we're not just about horror and murder so we love listening to this podcast so it's an honor to be on to it as well yeah thank you for inviting us no problem and for the end can you share with my listeners where they can find you and plug anything you want yes that's uh, spreadthedreadpodcast.com and you'll find everything about us there yep all the links uh, you can check us out on YouTube we uh, of course are insanely not monetized on there so that we don't attract their attention <laughs> uh, we also have a bit shoot because if you make fucked up stuff you have to have a backup account for when YouTube eventually removes your videos yes. so we do have that we have a merch store but yeah as Joe said spreadthedreadpodcast.com if you go there links to everything right there and you can also find us on ig we're on facebook but we don't mess with it that much but uh we are on on we're very prevalent on ig as well and i wanted to ask you guys have you ever had any problems with a youtube kind of censoring or canceling you no not, not yet, yet. We've, wow. we've we've never attempted to monetize the video no. so and i don't ever foresee us trying to do that but yeah no we we we're, we're not big enough yet there uh so i think once once we finally have that happen i i we're actually gonna be probably pretty thrilled <laughs> yeah because we're gonna be we're like, like holy, holy shit, shit we yeah, made we, it we made it we finally made it like <laughs> yeah but you it's finally so far, make so it you get noticed and then you get canceled <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. That's why we're 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 trying to limit our audience because we we have a fine line between being semi-successful and being insanely cancelable, uh, being able to be cancelled. So. <laughs> well, I mean that that's kind of my, my show. My show is very very niche and indie. Like I have I don't know a hundred to hundred fifty plays per episode. It's nothing. Yeah. Um, so hopefully uh, nobody important enough will be listening to this episode. <laughs> Yes, particularly anyone who may employ me or Joe in the future. I would prefer they definitely not hear this episode or any of our other ones as well. Oh, man. Okay, well, we're ending it here and leaving the listeners with so much stuff to ponder over. (laughs) And guys, if you go Google searching anything that we talked about today, please use whatever VPN of your choice because I I can't be sponsored by any of them. (laughs) No, 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 no. Just don't Google it to be fair. Like it's probably, it's probably, you're probably, if you haven't heard about it, you probably, at this point, you probably probably don't need to. You probably don't want to know. Okay. If if they don't want to Google, they can go on your show and listen to you guys. Oh, for sure. Or it just hit us up an IG chat clearly we'll gladly talk about this shit with anybody <laughs> okay well we're, we're ending it here and uh, the episode after this one I'm planning is uh, April Fool's episode so more whimsiness uh, back to normal cryptid shenanigans then <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome